So we are in the middle of a halachic slash Hasidic davening series. And we spoke last week about the minion. And I want to speak about a halacha concerning davening and to contrast it with the story, one of the many stories that we read in this week's double portion. I'm speaking about the part where when we failed somehow again, Hashem sent forth snakes to show the people who's the boss. And when people got bitten, Moshe Rabbeinu made a copper snake and he put it up on a pole, which became the symbol of medicine, Ad Hayyim Hazeh, which is quite amazing. And as the says in Chumash, that whoever looked up at the pole, at the snake, lived, even though that person was bitten by a venomous serpent. That's a story in the Parsha. And being that we have a person that normally doesn't come, but she's coming back. And for some reason, mitamol, a new anguish, the old age anguish of how can they institute that you did not make me into a woman that's so chauvinistic. So, yeah, it was asked in a form that it's difficult to respond. But I think, okay, if it's bothering you, it should not bother you. But it's bothering you, so I want to deal with that. Yeah, good, good, good. So let's begin, let's begin, let's begin. Hopefully we'll land no matter where. We'll land in the right place. Amen. Okay, so let me make the following contrast. When, when we pray, a couple of unique Jewish laws regarding prayer. Number one, we articulate the prayer. We speak out the words. For most people, when you get into a very deep place, talking is going to distract you. Forget about talking to another. It means when you begin getting into something and you really start getting into that thing deep and you start um, thinking about things that are very abstract or you want to differentiate between two things that superficially appear to be the same, it's very common for most people to go silent because they're going within themselves. Jewish prayer has to be articulated. A moment of silence is not a Jewish thing at all. Number one. Number two, we're supposed to look down. Even if you're going to keep your eyes open, which is a different topic, you look down, you don't look up. In contrast, in contrast, in this week's double portion, we read the story of, of a verbal... Of, of how we misunderstood what, what's happening, which is really what happens. When people complain, they simply don't know what is. And based on our erroneous understanding of the reality, we had the legitimate complaints against God and against Moshe Rabbeinu. And we, at least, we meaning it's healthy for people to have the ability to verbalize what they're feeling. Some people don't have that ability, but they are wounded people. Something happened. Naturally, Hashem made us to be speakers, which is a great thing. So if I have a certain complaint against God, I would even say it's healthy in the right setting to articulate it, because then it can be addressed. right? Many people feel, well, it's such a sinful thought. I'm angry at God that I'm not going to give those words. Well, what did you accomplish? Nothing. You're, you're brewing with it. It's cooking. And normally... Normally, not normally, we believe that that God is good and therefore whatever it is that you have against God, so to say, is because there's some misunderstanding and you can only deal with it 
If you cannot deal with it, then maybe someone else can deal with it. Hopefully, seeing it more objectively. And and they, we spoke we spoke out against Moshe and against God, and that resulted that resulted in venomous serpents um, afflicting the Jewish people. And just for the record, we were living in a location. We were living in the desert. The desert is a place in which naturally we will be bitten by snakes and scorpions and all types of such creatures. It's not like God sent forth snakes. Is that we lost a certain level of protection. Which is a very important detail of the story. In other words, if we choose to see reality as a natural phenomenon, one of the results will be is that things will happen naturally. And naturally, removing God, when you remove God out of the equation, then there, you know there's statistics and there's chances, there's likelihoods. And if you live in the desert, um, yeah, if a couple of million people, some of them will be bitten. That's just a statistic. The fact that up until this point we were there for many years and not a single Jew was bitten by a snake, that's because the real emiss is, is that the natural order is a facade that God continuously creates because God wants to be concealed. And God hides behind nature. And that's a fantastic facade. Because when you look at the world, everything just looks natural. And there's a pattern and there are laws of nature and there are numbers and there are statistics. And if you um, buy into that, then it has a certain effect on how reality will mirror back to you. So when we took God out of the equation, that was mirrored back to us. And there was a certain type of natural phenomena, which was we were bitten by serpents, by snakes. And this is what the Torah writes, that God told Moshe Rabbeinu, you go make a a um, inanimate snake. Moshe Rabbeinu chose to make a copper snake. In Hebrew, Nachash, right? Nachash is a snake. Nachash is, uh, Rashi calls it, Loshen Noif Nofel Alashon. Nachash Nachash. So, so they, we had this copper snake that Moshe Rabbeinu made and he put it up on a, on a tall Nace, the word nace means a miracle. Nace also means a pole. Like in which you hang a flag for everyone to see. So we had this huge pole and on it he put that symbol that you have on all the ambulances. They took it from this and everyone who looked up at the snake was healed. And the Mishnah says, do you think the snake brought about healing? Of course not. God brought about healing. Looking up, looking up, was really looking up to God. When we looked up to God, when we brought God back into the equation, when we acknowledge, and that takes effort, that I choose to live in a godly world, we get to choose, which is quite amazing. You can live in the same place, you don't have to move, and you get to choose where you want to be. And we all know that. We all know that. You can be happy, you can be in happy world, you can be in sad world. And most of us can go there very quick. And people that get good at it, they can go very quick from Azoi, people that are disturbed, like many of us, you can oscillate. You can be, wow, and you can be depressed that you can't breathe, I can't breathe, and you didn't budge a finger, which is amazing, just get that. So there's different worlds, and we are choosing where to be. We are choosing where to be. We chose to be in a natural world. The reaction was natural stuff. We chose to be in a godly world. Hashem protected us. And even people that already got bitten, they got healed. 
So the, I just want to open up with the question, if the Mishnah is saying explicitly, which the Mishnah is, is that there wasn't that the snake brought about healing, it was looking up to God. Yeah, in Jewish law, when we communicate to God, we don't look up. We look down. So that's a, that's a, that's that's just a springboard to open up a discussion. And I want to understand why 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 do we look down? I can tell you superficially the reason why we look down is because it's very um, hereditary. It's 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 blasphemous almost to associate God with up. Even though we point up up, but what we are basically saying is that God is there. And where is God? There you go. Thank you. And that's how we get into trouble. That's the whole trouble. We all believe in God. The question is, where do we place God? If we place God out there, that gives us the liberty, etc. So, uh, I can place God there. You know, God is there. God is in the heavens. Oh, they went closer to God and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, it's, it, I'm, okay, I take back my extreme words of blasphemous. It's not blasphemous. It's beautiful, and people use that expression, but it's not endless. It's not true. But it's much more than that. In other words, we're just addressing why is it that when we daven, we dafka look down? To be humble. Okay, who said that? Very good. You see? To be humble. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. To be humble. Looking up. But your, your sitter, the words are down. Let's let's take the sitter out of the equation. No, I want to say like this. No, no, no. First of all, yes, very good. When from when did we have a sitter? We had a sitter, maybe uh, 1800 years, 1700 years. Prior to that, we were people of the people of the book. What people of the book? We memorized everything. We were not allowed to write down the Torah. Only scripture was allowed to be written. People should understand that. The wealth of the Torah was prohibited to be recorded. Now, people that needed learning aids when they were very young, there was a heter. Imagine, to have a little note and to have for kids a bracha written on it. And, and if you got stuck somewhere, you can make your own notes. Can you imagine? Torah was not allowed to be written until 1800 years ago. Until 1700, nothing was written. Torah Shabal Peh. Until now, we call it the oral Torah. People memorized. People memorized. Until today, people make an effort. Have some of our kids, Mishnah is Balpeh, because that's the way Torah always was internalized. Only scripture was allowed to be written. And I'll tell you more than that. Those who came during the times of the Second Temple, and they wrote the Maccabees and all of these books from the, from the Christian Bible, and it, it was written by Eden. And they wrote about Jewish events. That up until, uh, for a very long while, Rabbi Kiva made such a ban for Jews to read it that you have no idea. The ban was extreme. And from that ban came other people, not Rabbi Kiva, that ended up burning it. And that ultimately gave the idea to our enemies to start burning our books. That's how it began. So there's a whole relationship with books is something interesting. I know now it's another hot topic about people banning books, not banning books. This is the alta Jewish issue about how to deal with books. But we are we are not exactly the people of the book, really. It's, it's a funny expression. We are people of the Torah. We are people of learning. Okay, that's coming. So I want to just go back to your point that, no, we didn't have a Siddur for the majority of our history. And that was not, in other words, the, the law that when we pray, when Avraham Avinu and Sari Yimeinu, when they daven, there was no Siddur. 
They were facing down. And without doubt, they, they closed their eyes when they prayed, but they looked down. So maybe looking down, oh. if you look at anything else, you put your trust in that thing rather than in God. So if you're praying, you look down, you know that there's nothing but God. Okay, very good. So I just don't First of all, these things I've written, very good. It's but you know, distraction. You know that it says that a synagogue should have windows that allow the people to see the heavens? Like I'm sitting right over here. When you see the heavens, even the trellis that we discovered reminds us of the color of the sea to remind us of the color of the heavens. Not this haze, June gloom, LA. I'm talking about the <laughs> the deep, beautiful blue heavens, the way God made it. No, it actually, there's a time and place to look at the heavens. But and then, it, huh? then they say when you're davening, you should not be in front of the window, so you don't uh, get attraction. No, 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 no. Even you say, Hashem, no, no, no. thank you for that tree. It's, it's a it's a vero. Okay, okay. No, not exactly, not exactly. I think what we did by us is very good is that we put this white thing so you can't see the traffic. But it's good that you can see on top and see the heavens. It says on Shulchan that ideally build a shul, make sure that you can see the heavens. In our new synagogue, everyone is going to see the heavens until they build across the street big buildings. And then we'll have to deal with that. But uh, in the meanwhile, we're good. Okay. So let me say like this. I mean, this is a theme that we're living with the last couple of months, but this is a theme that the Alter Rebbe dealt with the whole time. Everything is a mixture of good and bad. There's good and bad out there because there's good and bad in here. And okay, the Alter Rebbe says that we have two souls. We have an animal soul, we have a godly soul. When a person is praying, they are connected to their godly soul because they're talking to God. The animal doesn't know God. It doesn't want to know God. It's not against God. It just doesn't care. It wants to know about whatever it, its natural agenda is. So the whole activity of praying is an activity in which we are connecting. Ah, I connected to my spiritual part. And people naturally, when they connect to the spiritual part, they ignore their animal. That's the way God made all of us. That's the distraction. The part of me, that's the distraction. And people naturally are so good at it that when a person is in their spiritual part, they have nothing to do with their animal, naturally. And then when people get into their animal part, they have nothing to do with their soul. Looking up, looking down, we made this demonstration in the ladies group with that line that we made. Up, correctly so, is spiritual. And down is material. And a big purpose of prayer is not to get connected to my ruchnistika side and that should connect to God. That's not what davening is about. Davening is, is for me to bring together my, my soul and my, and my animal. So I'm focusing on the down. And in extension, in extension, I'm also going to be dealing with those parts in the world that are not the way they should be. Because there are many parts of the world that are amazing. They are exactly the way they should be. If you add to it, you ruin it. And there are some parts of the world that have to be rectified. There are some parts of the world that we could even call evil. Klipa, klipa. And then you have klipa, pikabala, all these levels of klipa. And we have to, I got, we have to fix the klipa. Now, how do you fix the klipa? What's the, what do you do? What do you do to evil? Shine light on it. Shine light on it. Don't fight it. No? Okay. If you fight it, you lose. 
Okay, I'm asking you the big questions, huh? Okay. Okay, and how do you do that? Could you use pure klipa for good? Klipa snoiga, yes. Okay, one second. Can I, like I did? So the, okay, I, yeah. I had a thought yesterday. Okay. So, um, klipa is the outside, it's the peel. So it means it's protecting something on the inside. Oh, so okay. anytime you see a klipa, you think, what is this protecting? Okay. Okay, so let me give, give you the words. I'll peak Kabbalah. There are three ways of approaching klipa. And I'm going from the, from the, from the simplest and maybe from the first until the deepest, the hardest, the highest. One is to break it. To break it. I'm saying words. And actually it says, the words are that breaking it is its rectification. Shivirasan zehu takonosan. Like sometimes, sometimes when there's an enemy, we wage battle. A concept of a war is like, is, Toyota doesn't take away the possibility of there being a war. That means that if there are people that they are representing some dark evil force, there are times we have to bay, wage battle. There are times that we have to face it out. There are times that you're right, that we don't, but we have to know when to pick and choose. But sometimes, if there's something not okay, we have to engage with it. And engaging with it is not to compromise with it. I'm speaking radical words only for radical cases. Of course, many things have to be compromised with. Because in reality, nothing is purely evil. But I'm speaking about them conceptually. If there's something that's pure evil, like we like giving the Nazis... Like, what do we have to do? What shine light on it? You have to kill them. And that was, you know, and, and avoiding them, which is what we normally do, did not work out very well for our people. At all. For a thousand years, you should know that we were kept safe because our attitude towards non-Jewish governments was always having good relationships with them, bribing them. There was a system in place. And that system worked. When the Nazis came, we did whatever we have been doing and it did not work. And the results were the worst results that can ever exist. And we're still all Ashkenazic Jews are traumatized by it, much more than we can understand because of what happened. And the greatest Jewish leaders did not protect us. They were using old ammunition. They were using an old derech. And the old derech was was basically not confronting it. Some things have to be confronted. And if it's pure evil, again, I'm not applying it. Don't think about that. The Nazis is a great example. Then there's no negotiation with it. You have to completely destroy it. You have to destroy it. To break it. Is this because we didn't kill Amalek? That's a great example. That Amalek, that's it. That they were trying to, we said, elevate it. They were trying to elevate it. And in that scenario, I'm saying how to apply it is very dangerous. Because what I'm saying now is radical. And radical in this world is very unhealthy. But we're speaking ideas. So there is a concept that when you have klipa, you have to annihilate it. But not avoid it. And many people don't know how to do that. So they, they ignore it. And it's so pleasant to ignore it. Life is so beautiful. And I think we all have that illness. Because why, why, why should I want to deal with it? Who needs to do it? I didn't make the problem. And I know I'm not going to end the problem. There's so many good things to occupy my day with. Let me just live in light. Not everyone can do that, though. I'm not talking about That's in actuality. I'm not a, I'm talking ideas. And I think it's important for people to work. Everyone works differently. So I don't know how other people work. But I think that if I can identify with the type of going through life in which there's a lot of good out here. There's a lot of challenges out here. There's only 24 hours of the day. Let me. Who's looking for problems? 
It's like you have a good couple, everything is good, and then they go to the therapist, and the therapist begins to tickle them. And they, what's the issue? And the guy says, there's no issue. Why are you making issues? Like, let's just, now the emphasis, there are issues that you're just ignoring. Okay, we say this, so you have to know when, when, and when. Everything has a time and a place. Yeah. So you said, okay, you only said two things, right? Oh, I only said one thing. Oh, I'm up to the one thing, yeah, I know there's a lot Engaging, avoiding is what is, is, is a default option that, that the Torah frowns upon. Oh, so it's okay. So the only option right now is to break it. That's right. Option number one is to break it. It means you engage with it and you break it. Are you also waiting for option number two? Yeah, yeah. one second. Two. Option now, now listen to these words. Yes. Option two and option three has to do with elevating it or transforming it. And there are two very different ways that we transform Klippa. The words that we have is one is to sweeten it you're sweetening something when you are seeing from where it came from. Mm-hmm. And then there's a much higher and harder avoido for tzaddikim to see the good in it. Is that the third way? The third way is to is to sweeten the klipa, to transform the klipa, to the elevate second. the klipa. Wait, what's the first? first is to break it. First is to break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Kill it. We gotta go jihad. Yeah. The second. Can you give an example? Yes, I will. One second. Yes, one second. The first is to break it. The Nazis. There's no transforming the Nazis. You have a group that they they represent the the hatred towards God, which also equates the hatred towards the Jew. That's not rational. We did not work to negotiate with them and to bribe them and to this with them, to that with them. And if we retreated, they went after us. Mm-hmm. And they really went out and they found us. And if God wouldn't have stopped them, we can blame God for the, what they did because it was God's doing. And it was God's also that not, they were going into the Middle East. They were trying to get into Israel. They were trying to come here into the Americas. That was their goal. Mm-hmm. That was their goal. And there was very few powers in the world that really was trying to confront them. And it was a very late for the Jewish people. It was very late in all whatever happened. The second, the second way is to engage with Klippa, but your 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 attitude is I want to understand where where is it coming from. And somehow, when you discover the the, the root of it, the source of it, in its source, there is some goodness there. So where is that with the Nazis? That does not exist with the Nazis. It's a different type of clipper. Different type of clipper. Three different types of clipper. Well, different well I, no, I don't think that's that's accurate. Wait. Let me let me give a few. Let me go back to the Nazis. We have to speak about Jews. We got to speak about so the Nazis the Nazi, all the time. The Nazis not clipper. Oh, God forbid. Wait, what's no. Clipper? I'm not even talking about clipper snoiker. Let's not use these words. Can we, can we say like Defense Sorry. mechanism. So the defense mechanism is a clipper protecting the person inside. Yeah. Do you attack the defense mechanism, or do you know that it's there for a reason? And Very good. Okay, so that would be finding the source. Okay. Let me say words. These are words of Kabbalah, and then let's try to uh, unpackage it together. And my understanding no, trigger, like the is limited. The, the the highest level is actually seeing that this, the way it is, is good. Let me tell you two stories. Two beautiful Talmudic stories. One with Rabbi Akiva, and one with one of the big teachers of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva had, had an expression, and he meant that expression. We can always repeat that expression, which is better than complaining, but to really mean it, his expression was in Aramaic, and it, it translated loosely in English, is that whatever God does is for the good. Call ma rachmana, and he called God as the merciful one, letav of it. Whatever God does is for the good. And he used to say it, 
And I'm sure people get very irritated. When people say that, people around you get irritated. And so the Gemara tells a story. Everyone remembered that story. He was going on a trip. He traveled a lot at the later phase of his life. And, you know, Jews, and Jews we, tra- we travel with Pekalach. He's, yep. not, he's not Gamsu Tova. No. That's a good That's not We're going to get that soon. That's, that's the third level. Oh, one second. That was his teacher. Rabbi Kiva says, Everything that God does, God does for the good. He's going on a trip. Remember the story. We have booklets of these stories. And he goes with his donkey to carry his Pekalach. And he had a rooster to wake him up early in the morning. And he has a candle that when he wakes up and it's still dark, he can learn Torah and all his other personal belongings. And he's going through a village. There were no hotels or motels. The way it worked then, you go through a village, people would invite you or they wouldn't. And if they wouldn't, you would sleep out in the forest. And he needed a bed. Nebuch, Rabakiva, he was probably an older man then, and he went door knocking. And no one invited him in. Call him everything that God does is for the good. And he goes into the forest, and as he gets settling in, Place a lion ate up the donkey, everything that God does is for the good, and then some ups a creature ate up the rooster, everything that God does is for the good. He had a piece, he made he made the fire, he made a candle. The candle is gone. The wind blew out the fire or some other calamity. Nothing worked, and not only he had nothing. Everything that God does is for the good. It comes the next morning, and Nebach he's schlepping his own luggage because there's no donkey, and he's going through that village <laughs> to get back on the main highway. <laughs> And what does he notice? That the terribly bandits went through that village the night prior and they killed everyone there. They killed everyone there. And what did he realize? That had he been there, he would have been killed. Even in the forest, if the donkey would have made the donkey sounds and the rooster, the rooster sounds, and even the light, the light attracts light and darkness you can see from far, he would have been discovered, right? And everything that God does, he saw is for the good. Now hold on a second. Is losing your donkey good or bad? It's bad. It's better than dying. It's better than dying. In other words, I'm showing you that something bad is for the good. For the good doesn't mean good. It's not good. But you have to know the whole story. You have to know where I'm coming from. You have to know where I'm going. You put it into the context of things. And the context of things, in this circumstance, this was a very good thing that happened. It was for the good. But losing a donkey is not good. Depends on the donkey, if you have a good donkey, you understand? Losing the rooster, losing whatever it is, sleeping out there in the forest versus sleeping in a straw bed in someone's, uh, who knows what barn, I don't know what's worse. For him, it was the barn would have been better. That's called, you, you, you find a silver lining, you see how this was for the good. Svardim have this expression, kapara, kapara, right? We spoke about that, how unhealthy that is. That's based on the premise that I'm guilty. I'm guilty. That's a given. Based on the fact that I'm guilty, at least God beat me up less, and I should be grateful. The Gavaldika thinking over here, very healthy thinking, right? Look how much sugar we all became after Golos. Kapara, it's good, because I should have gotten much worse. Same idea. This, oh, didn't get cancer, I lost my arm. I should be happy. Okay. Very good. Not a pessimist. Okay, very good. In other words, you're not you're not seeing you're not seeing that it wasn't good. He, didn't, he never said it's good. He didn't say it's good. He said that whatever God does for is the for good. the good. For the good. One second. But we're talking about evil. In other words, now the Nachum Gamzu is a phenomenal story. 
there was a decree against the Jewish people. Yeah, the MO of the Jewish people, beginning with Yaakov Avinu, and you should know that it works in almost all circumstances, is that if people are out to get you, going into battle should be the last resort. And one of the first resorts, you can use the word bribery, giving gifts, appeasement. Yaakov attempted to do it with his brother. It worked. I grew up in Brazil. My father was a, my father was a master. But you have to know that you, you tell the police officers, this is not a bribe. You begin that way. God forbid. We're not bribing you. But I make curtains. And you must not need new curtains. And I can only understand how difficult it is for you, the police officer, with the salary that you're getting to make a living. So first, let's establish a friendship. And then we'll address my issue of my speeding or whatever. He knew how to do it, and it worked, and it was hilarious. Then, I don't know if that works today in Brazil, but if you come from South America, it's amazing. Sometimes. In other words, you, you, you appease. You appease. That's, that's, that's one derech. There was a decree against the Jewish people by the Romans, and they were very strong, the Romans. Their law and order was strong. So whenever you have a system where there's a very strong law and order, the bribe has to have more zeros. I think that's how it works. I think here also there's a lot of bribery, there's corruption. In Brazil, you get corrupt a guy for $100. Here, the $100 won't work. So they made a fundraiser, and the Gemara says, and they gathered a chest filled with jewelry. Women gave their jewelry. If men had, they gave the part, there were rings, there were diamonds, there were pearls. It was a fortune. And they needed someone to give it to the governor with the hope that if it's given properly, he'll have compassion and he'll nullify whatever. And those decrees were horrible. We don't know what that means to live, to live in a place where there's a decree against the Jewish people. However that was, they made decrees that if you keep the Shabbos, they're gonna crucify you. How can you live that way? <coughs> oh. So Nachum went and Nachum stopped in an inn. Our greatest rabbis did not have a name rabbi because their names are the greatest compliment. Nachum, everything that happened, he used to say, this is good. Gam This is good. The Rebbe understands it. Not for the good. This is good. That's what he was saying. <coughs> this is good. And, and, and people in the inn, whether they were Jewish or not, they knew that he's on a mission. And he has this big chest with him. So they, uh, what's in the chest? Some, uh. some goodies. So while he was sleeping, they went into the chest and they removed all of the treasure. They removed the treasure and they replaced it with earth with the hope that when he'll lift it in the morning, he's a person, he's a spiritual person, he's now down to earth, he won't get it. The Gemara says he woke up in the morning, he picked it up, he felt it's different, he opened it up, he saw it's filled with earth. That's the craziness. He knew it's earth. This was good. Now, he was given a mission to go and make it to appease the Roman governor. Now, the logic behind the story is beyond me, but he went to the governor... And he gave him, and he told him that he's coming on behalf of the Jewish community, and we want to show good faith to the government. And as a gesture of good faith, he presented a gift, and they opened up the gift, and they see a, a case filled with earth. And the governor was outraged. You're coming to mock me? <coughs> what, what is this? What type of gift is this? And someone in the court told the king that the Jewish people are known to be smart people. They would not come and mock you. And there's no doubt that the, he came here to negotiate down that decree. Who would do that? There must be value. He says, well, how can it be valuable? So he says, they, they, they look in the Chumash. And in the Chumash, Avram Avinu, with Eliezer, they waged battle against big, big governments. 
Avram Avinu single-handedly won a big war, the first world war, the real first world war is recorded in the Chumash. And, and Rashi tells us how did he win the war? He put his hand in the earth and he threw the earth like, towards the soldiers and every granule became a spear, became a weapon, became a sword, became a knife. Maybe the Jews have that earth and they're giving you, the because you are waging war against that country, Rome was always at war, go take it to the battlefield. So they arrested Nahum, they sent it to the battlefield, and the attack worked, a miracle. And they won that battle. And there's a beautiful ending of the story. Point is, is that what happened over there is that what's more valuable, a, a ring or a piece of earth that has no weight, that you can pick up millions of them and throw it against your enemies and you win a battle? The latter. So something bad actually was something good. Not for the good. Was good. That's, that's, the, higher level. that's the highest level of transformation of evil. I will say, going back to the Nazis, I'm quoting the Rebbe. Only the Rebbe has the right to do it. That the Rebbe said in public that we have to learn from the Nazis, and that's elevating evil. Post facto. The Rebbe was very much into fighting the Nazis when the Rebbe was there. He was in there and he was active in many battles against the Nazis. But the Rebbe said that the Nazis <coughs> were so obsessed with Jews that they would go looking for us, even if you're only upset, eighth Jew. If your mother's mother, he says, that, that is what we have to learn. We have to be so obsessed to find every Jew in order to bring the Jew something about Yiddishkeit. So the Rebbe felt that having this system where you establish a community and whoever wants can come join, the Rebbe says, not anymore. We have to learn from the Nazis. We have to actively go look for the Jew. We have to go out there, or no, he found some re- something to learn from them. That's question. So is the ultimate good winning against an enemy? The, the ultimate good theoretically is 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 um, transforming the enemy, making the enemy into your ally. That's the ultimate goal. I'm speaking all conceptually. <coughs> what to apply? What what? Who what? When and where? People have to have wisdom. And and, and 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 divine divine help to get it right. And everyone has this in their lives. We have in our lives the evil within and the evil without. Speaking extreme, avoiding it is never an option. Never an option. S- bringing it back to the root, bringing it back to looking up and seeing how this came from, it's for the good, came from a good reason. You said it, it, there's a reason for that. Person is very uh, this, but it's really because they have low self-esteem. Because uh, you go, you go, you go digging and you find up the source of it, and then you would uh, deal with the source. And in most cases, when you get it right, the evil falls away by automatically. So where does sweetening come in? That's also that's another way of sweetening it. So it's the same. Number it's two not the same. Number two, number two, and number three is called sweetening. So the Al-Tarebbe says a beautiful concept that we, we asked that question. When we dive in, we're supposed to look down because prayer is to engage with the lower self. The purpose of prayer is not to run, run to God, leaving the lower self. It's to look at the lower self and to, and to, and to deal with it, to, to, to break it, that which has to be broken, to, to, to connect it to its source, to see good in it. So we're looking down. But the snake, the snake represents evil in the Torah, right? The, the, the Yetzer Hara manifested. The Torah says in a Nachash, the Nachash Hakadmoni, whatever that was, it was a talking snake with legs, 
Maybe that was the dinosaur, gay figure, I don't know. I don't know, whatever it was, the way Chazal described it, it doesn't exactly look like a snake, but the Torah calls it a snake. And God removed its legs, and God removed its ability to speak. But from all of the creatures, the human being was not the, we were not the only talkers. The snakes were communicators, naturally. They spoke. <coughs> and, and, and when we pick up the snake up, and we put it in contrast to the heavens, the Alter Rebbe says, that's the idea of lifting up something evil and trying to see where it came from. And in its root, it was good. Everything began good. Everything began good. Because God is good. There's no bad. But in this world, there's so much bad. So you have to trace it back. Where did it come from? You say, where did it come from? Where are you coming from? And the deeper you go, the less bad it is. That's how you start making peace with it. And if you're very good, you can figure out the, the, the shoydish. When you go back to the root, you fixed it. You nipped it in the bud, but in a good way. You can do that even post-facto. Not nip it in the bud before it becomes a monster. Even after it became the monster. This is avoid. That's the lifting. That's the ultimate healing. And it's amazing that even down in this world, God made it so, like the Mishnah says, is that the medicine for a venomous bite is from the venom. <clears throat> And not from out there, or not by avoiding it. If a person gets bitten by these snakes, I know from Brazil, it's terrible. You have to get that snake. You have to know what snake. Once they know what snake it is, you're going to get the right medicine. If you don't know what hit you, then the person is uh, in trouble. Yeah, who was asking? So you said Hashem took his ability to speak, and he took his ability to walk. Yeah. But he gave him a greater ability to enter into us. Very good. I think any any once you take away speech, you have that danger. Speech is the biggest protection. It's a good insight. Let's develop that. Okay, let's leave that on the side. I like this idea. No, suppose just making a point. No, that prior to the sin, the snake was only out there, and after and after this this terrible fall, it became part of us. Because as long as it was a entity that was a speaker. Some, some people you know, some people have a difficulty talking. There's something with that. I'm not talking about speaking in public. I think that's a relatively normal. Even in private, some people can't speak. And if you go back to the source also, the thing where that comes from. Yeah, that, the attachment. I'm saying that's where you can go back and then you can create space. Because that ultimately is what comes Very good. Do you say attachment, Sarah? What? Attachment? attachment. Like back to oh, yeah. our attachment with our everything was back to attachment. I know. Well, attachment theory goes on. Everyone has their own issues. Okay, good. You can find out from this. So, uh, so the communication oh. issue is rooted from a snake. No, 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 no. I just think I think this this that that if some something has a greater ability, something not good to make its way into us, non-verbally. <coughs> then it identifies us. Even because worse. Because we believe that mm-hmm. what we think is us. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, one second, hold the thought. Now, now, uh, here we go. I think we have enough time. So this is a special South American uh, <laughs> tantrum over here. Every day by davening, every day by davening, we, we wake up in the morning, right, practicing gratitude, and we do that by specifying the unique 
and what we can take for granted, blessings that we have if and when we're healthy. And all of us, even us afflicted with illnesses, have so much health, good things also. Even a person who does this is not working and that's not working, a person can see, a person can hear, partially see, partially hear. Okay, so we have the 15 blessings and the final three is thank you God that you did not make me into a goy. Thank you God that you did not make me into a slave. Thank you, God, that you did not make me into a woman. Right? How insulting is that? Written by those male rabbis. And, okay. Huh? Okay, I mean, it's in the sitter. So we can just avoid it and say everything is beautiful. Well, let's go deal with it. Okay. Let me tell you what the Alter Rebbe says. Yeah, it's a Hasidic spin. Okay, I take that. I don't care. Let me just tell you how he approaches this entire topic. And he, actually, the Alter Rebbe doesn't speak about the Siddur. It's mentioned in Tanjim. The Alter Rebbe is bothered that after the Torah records the Ten Commandments, right, the Parsha Yisroi, the, the next portion of the Torah speaks about laws of slaves, of the Evadivri and of the Amevriya. And without getting into the, all of that, th- this is the this is the way we understand it. That we we all began. Let's go back to the source. We all began as a part of God, right? We were attached to God, and then there was a detachment. What happens when we became detached from God? What were we then? You can do anything you want. No, we became a child. That's the way Kabbalah calls us. We were children, children of God. <coughs> Very similar to the physically that a child mamish is comes from their parents, but they are uh, right. You cut the umbilical cord; they're detached. But it's a, a child. But keep on going down this path. If we are f- going away further away from our source, what will be the next? Ego. Yeah, I know. Okay, but let's speak in our tongue. So these these are the steps in Kabbalah. The next step down is becoming the Amma Ivriya, the woman maidservant. Just bear with me. And the next step down is becoming a male servant. And the next step down is becoming an Evet Kanani, a non-Jewish servant. Down from where? Down from being completely attached to God, mm-hmm. being part of God. We're going away from God. Right? Creation is the process in where stuff, including us, were created. Where were we prior to creation? We were part of God. Right? So there was a process in which things were projected out. And part of our avoida is to bring it back. We're going back home. And going back home, that will be the nakuda, is not beginning with the soul, which is what we all do. Oh, I feel so good now because I feel connected to my soul, so I feel spiritual. Shkoyach. That's a cop-out. That's easy. No. No. You have to embrace your soul and now go down. Go down. And go as down as you could and elevate all of that. So the lowest that we can ever fall into is mystically to a place in which we're called a non-Jewish slave. A Jew can be that? Of course a Jew can be that. Uh, mystically. Like a slave to non-Jewish things? Yeah. You don't get it? Mm-hmm. How do you become a non-Jewish? Uh, any part of this world, any energy in this world in which the divine spark that's in everything is completely hidden this is mystically that which represents the lowest is a non-Jewish slave. 
And from there you go up and you become a Jewish slave. Still enslaved. Still enslaved. Not free. But there's, there's some godliness there. And the higher level up is this woman who was bought by the master who theoretically could become a wife. Right? You have to know the Chumash. And the goal is to become the spouse. To get married. To interact with God as a spouse to a husband in a good marriage. Can a man reach the level of woman's slave? Yeah, a man has to. That's the goal. Oh, wow. That's nice. So why do we say thank you, Hashem, for not making marriage? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> very good. No, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's very important. No, no, so in other words, what the, what the Al-Tareb is establishing, he's, he's quoting this, he didn't make this thing up, that we have within us different levels. When, when you go into de- detachment of God, there are different levels. It's not that, am I connected or am I I feel connected. Yeah, good, but let's break it down. There is being attached where we're one with God, oneness with God, vacus with God. The next level down is I'm a child of God. The next level down is is that I'm a female servant of God. I'm further away as a male servant of God and further away as the non-Jewish servant. And I want you to know that that in this phenomena in the world, is just a, an example to that. It's a manifestation of it. But this is what it symbolizes, this is what it represents. The only way I can make my way back up, the only way I can make my way back up, meaning elevating even the lowest part in me to go back to being part of God, is by saying that I was not made <coughs> into that. I'm not that. I have. I have to deal with that. I have the snake in me. I am not the snake. It's not who I am. The more I identify with being part of God, the more empowered I am to go elevate the lower part of me. The less I identify with who I really am, this is what you were saying, if I think that I am the Nachash, Okay, now I became contaminated. Now I'm no longer innocent. I'm no longer, if that's who I am, there's no way out. There's no way up. Oh, horrible. And these words are not words. This is the way, this is a choice. I am not that. So I'm th- am, I, am I where I should be? Not yet. I have a whole day to get there. Am I part of God? Am I God's spouse? No, not yet. Not yet. But I'm not, I am Shaloy Osani. Yes, God, there is some real detachment in me. I'm, I'm, there's the Goy in me, and there's the Evid in me, and there's the Isha, by the way, doesn't mean a wife. The Isha means a female servant. A male. Oh, so it's mentioning all the levels. It's mentioning the levels, and in a way, in a way that we're going from the lowest, that's the key. The wants to emphasize. We're going, Isha, we're going up. And why are we going up? Is because we're beginning the day. The avoid of the day is who am I? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a piece of God. Elokai, neshama, shenosata, be tohirihi. We're not, we're not even the neshama. We're greater than the neshama. You put a neshama. The neshama is pure. We, that's that's how a yid has. You have to begin the day. Is that I'm, it's very difficult because we don't live that way during the day. But when you begin the day with ideally, that's, at least let's verbalize that. I'm a piece of God. I'm a piece of God and and I'm not going to live my whole life just feeling like I'm a piece of God. That's horrible. That's, that's an unhealthy person. 
That's a person in denial. No, I have within me the goy, and I have within me the eved, and I have within me the isha. The isha here is a derogatory thing, and it doesn't mean a woman. It means a female slave. I have pieces of me that are not the way they should be. And I'm going to go to the worst. The goy in me, God did not make me into a goy. It's not who I am. I have to deal with it. And when I deal with that, I'm going to go to the level of an evit. But then I have to remember that God did not make me into an evit. And God did not even make me into an isha. God did not make me. I'm a piece of God. I, I was not made. I'm part of God. So why don't women say that, Rachel? Actually, actually, the Alter Rebbe has the woman saying it. With all due respect, Alter Rebbe did not put in the Seder, Shosani Kertzoinoi. I don't know. I, actually, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm being recorded. I'm getting into big trouble. I don't know. I know that the Alter Rebbe did not put it in the city. No. Yeah. I think women should say it. Again, if I'm wrong, whoever is listening, but call me up. I, I can be corrected. I don't think that women, women say that prayer off like men. So who put that line in? Misunderstanding. I, listen, I'm, what I'm telling you now is not my own Twitter. The Isha dear doesn't mean a woman. It means a female slave. And the, and the goy also doesn't mean a goy. It means a slave. Such a big, like, it's a big yeah, thank you. Call up a, uh, call up, you know what, let me find out what women, I'll call it right now. A big halach, I go through it, I'll find out. Yeah, yes, yes, I'll put it out there. You ever heard, you, you, how are you taught? You went to school? You guys went to school? I just took on myself recently to do the morning blessings, and yesterday I reached out to five people saying, why do we say? It's, it's not a coincidence. It's crazy. There we go. And everybody gave me a different answer. That's all South America. It's because of her. There we go. It's crazy. One Habad reference said, skip it. The next said, send me something else. Um, you should say, made me according to your will. Someone else said. That's what I'm saying. We don't doubt yeah. it. Everything I'm right. It made me according to your will. And the fact that you're talking about it today, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, but I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad. But I was telling her, I'm like, I got five answers and I don't like any of them. Like, I'm no, bothered. In school, yes. for example, yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to ask my, I don't even know, like, what my, what the girls, when they're learning, they're davening. What is, what are they learning? Are they saying they say, they should have bought it. We say, I don't know. People ask me this every time I say something that Alter Rebbe says. I don't know. Yaffa, I was taught this when I was young. Can you, can you, no, we were just I'm saying, I was taught this. Goy is a Goyish slave, Evan is a Jewish slave, and Isha is a female Jewish slave. How many here? Yeah. And we all have this within us, and we have to remember that we have to deal with that, and we have to elevate it by remembering that you did not make me. It's not that that's not who I am. That's that's a part in me that was superimposed on me because of all of the mistakes of the past 10,000 years that we have to deal with. We all have big inheritances, all of us, but the, what we inherit is not good stuff and good stuff. Can you, can you break Klippa for someone else, like your children, for instance? Oh, I think like this. Let me word it in this context. And this already, the big chachamim of the goyim, even, or Jews, they came to that same understanding. That's clear. We're speaking about Yerusha. We have be Yerusha, the neshama, we all of the issues that my parents did not deal with, I have to deal with. So you fix it within yourself. For sure. In other words, you should remember that the upside of you dealing with your dark side is that you are stopping your children from having to deal with that. One second. Say your 
child has um, a klipa, right? They uh, can't handle something. Right? It's because you cannot handle something. Oh, so you think it's coming from the Not I think. I know. I know. It's all on you. What if it's coming from the other parents? <laughs> from the from the spouse. Yeah. I think it's a, it's it's so beautiful to look at the kids and to find my wife's family. Uh, yeah, to write a book on that. Uh, okay, I want to give the real answer is if I am able really to move, to get out of my ego, which I can't, but if I would be able to, then I would be qualified to determine which flaw is coming from which parent. Our best on ourselves, but I think the fact that you notice it and it bothers you of your child, it means it's coming from yourself as well. Or because you don't like that in your spouse. But that's coming from you. If it bothers you, so that means you have to say, you have have judgment about it or trigger from it. I don't know if you can go jihad on your kids, you know what I mean? So, I don't know if you do that because they'll break, right? Sometimes it depends. Oh, God forbid, but but if we use this technique, no, God forbid, I never, no, one second, hello for the recording. I'm speaking just within the person. I know. Forget about the world out there. I don't care about that. Let's begin with me. There's an issue. Like Prayer is with. Right? There's an issue in a home. And you can't go and break that clipa because breaking it is. Sure, you have to break that clipa. You have to break that clipa within you. Within yourself. Sure. So you have to find the source of why you have that clipa. Well, first break it. I'll give you an, I'll tell you what breaking it means. You ask for an yeah. example. So the Rambam, the Rambam was very much into occupational therapy. The Rambam, was, the Rambam did not go deeper than that purposefully. So, for example, when, the Ramam, when the Ramam, a person has anger issues, mm-hmm. what do you do? He says, don't externalize it. Just close your mouth. That's step number one. That's not the end game. That's called breaking it. That's not ignoring? That's, that's, well, that per, that, that's not ignoring because I'll tell you something. When a person is angry, when you're not shouting, you're not ignoring it. You're exploding. You're fighting. You're, you're telling yourself this. <laughs> I know that I'm right to be angry, but I don't think this is going to be a good ending or really deep down I know that this is not good. I will bite my tongue. And some people are, are, are supermen, are geboidim. What do you, 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 people around us are giants sometimes. It just doesn't look like that. Like it's a big avoid to that. Yeah. That's, now that's not the end game because you cannot bite your tongue forever, but that's step number one. So what's step number two? Step, but, but before step number one is, is people that, this is very unhealthy, is people that are very, very angry, but because they don't want to face the fact that they have an angry issue, they detach themselves from their anger and they walk around with the delusion that they're not angry. Hmm. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Now that, that, that is what I, that's what I'm saying. That's something, that's why we look down. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Who I, I want to be pre-recorded my shirt just to go back there, Rabbi Shusterman, God bless him, Rabbi Gershon, who wrote his book. I think he did such a great service by writing that when his wife passed away, she had a wife, she was 36 years old. He had 10 kids or nine kids, and it was a disaster. And and he's a rabbi. So what what, the, what he was playing at 11, playing in a set is that I, I believe in God, and I believe God is good. He walked around for 10 years with the delusion that he's good. He was not aware of how much... It, Heavy emotions he had vis-a-vis God. Look that no, we're you, we're not angels. Something happened to him that should not have happened, that could not have happened, but happened. And we believe in God that came from God. You have to deal with that. So there is the time of God. How did you do that? So if somebody who loves him sees that that's happening to him, okay, a friend, a rat, whatever. 
and sees where it's coming from and really sees the root and then puts sweetness on it and sees the good in it. Does it do a tikkun for him even when he's not able to do it for himself? I think maybe a tzaddik can do it. Uh-huh. I know I got to deal with me. I'm so far away from that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I don't know. I don't know if that's shaykh for people like myself. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have to. I have to be honest with me. First, first of all, to look down. Look, I mean, look at all of me, not the higher part, which is beautiful. No, the lower part also. And then break what? Break it. Limit it. Sweeten it. Grapple with it. And ultimately, I will, through that avoida, I'm going to elevate everything. The ultimate was, is that Nachamish Gamzu had mud. You know what? That mud, which is the most coarse earth, was gold. Was more than gold. That's the real, that's a beautiful story. But that's the end game. The end game is that all of us should be revealed as all of it is like a part of God. But that takes uh, thousands of years of work. And whatever you won't do, your kids will have to do. You also have to realize that since you're a wife and a husband, everybody brings their own thing to the table. And you have to work on your part, and you have to honor your kids and say, this is their part. Whatever they got from their dad, or that side of the family, I can be supportive of it, but it's their path to walk. I can fix what I bring to them. And you don't have to carry it. It's not your right. problem to carry no, it. You, you can't really healing. fix it. You no, can't. Not at all. It's such vanity to think that you can fix it. Right, and they right, have right. to walk. Right. They have to walk it. That's Just their like they have to carry our stuff too. Right. They have to do their tikkun, yeah. you know? We can't protect them from everything. No. And also, here's another thing to remember, is that their path is not my path. Yeah. I have to remind myself, like, what I experience, what they experience, are not the same thing. They're saying, you know? Correct. All right, bottom line is when we daven, we should look down <coughs> and at some point take your snake and bring it back up to God and then you will be healed. Thank you. Thank you.